Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. This is Reservations, and I'm Rain Whalen. And I'm Lawrence Gutterball. <laughs> you know, that would have been really good for our 100th episode, Big yeah, Lebowski. For sure. First sure. Yeah. yeah. That's too late. Oh, uh, yeah, we can't go back in time. <gasps> or can we? Uh, <laughs> no, that would have been good. But Lawrence Gutterball, it, it sounds like it sounds like someone who's in witness protection. <laughs> they just kind of just like whatever the name. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like that that comedy that uh, Chris Kattan did that no one remembers. Corky Romano. And they call him uh, Pissant. Because mm-hmm. his brother's like, I don't care what you call the pissant. And so the guy's just like, pissant. Oh my God. That's almost well, an welcome. old timey insult. Pissant. I haven't heard that I know. forever. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, well, and then like Corky's all like, no, no, it's, it's, it's Pisson, you know, it's French. Jesus. No wonder no one fucking remembers that movie. Yeah. <laughs> As he quotes the movie. Uh, I, I've never seen the movie. No, I'm saying me. I'm quoting the movie. Yeah, you're quoting. Even I mean, though, yeah, you're the only one who remembers that that movie, or or still cares. I guess I don't know. It's got its moments. Does it? It does. I'll send you some videos after this. Great. <laughs> well, welcome back, everyone. Um, yes, we're doing this over Riverside again, just because uh, it's late. It's late. And Jeremy's got some important stuff to do in the morning, so it would just be easier to do it like this. Yep. But we promise the end of season finale uh, next week we will be in person. But just want to get that out of the way. Also, uh, there is an announcement coming after this episode. Uh, not during this episode, but after this episode comes out, there's an announcement. But yeah, just wanted to let everyone know about that. Also, um... If I could, uh, before we get started, mm-hmm. um, yes. let's see, I wanted to, I wanted to give some shout outs before we, uh, before we get started. Okay. Um, uh, let me think of all the stuff I've watched, um, in the past few days. Um, there is a movie that you can find on Amazon. Um, at least that's where I found it on DVD on Amazon. Um, it's called the Wolf House. Um, those of you who like strange avant-garde movies, uh, you got to check out the Wolf House. It's all done completely, uh, stop motion. Um, it took him five years to do it and it's incredible. I mean, just ignore the story if you want, because I mean, the story is sort of, you know, out there and a little strange, but just the technical aspect of it, it's incredible. So, um, in Spanish, it's Casa de Lobo. Um, so it's Chilean, I think. Um, it's just La Casa Lobo. La Casa Lobo. Sorry. Um, it's incredible. Um, you gotta, you gotta check it out. Um, it's amazing. And then on Shudder, they just released Skidamarink, which I just watched. Uh, and, and I liked it. I liked it. I, I understand people's criticisms of it. Um, again, if you like stuff that's just different and you want to try something new and non-traditional filmmaking, that's the way to go. And there are parts where it was pretty scary. So, um, at least for me. So go check out those things. And that's, 
they're awesome. So. And that's saying something because uh, you don't scare easy. No, not really. But there were parts where I was like, oh, if I had saw it in a theater, holy Jesus. <laughs> where there was no escape. Would you have been running? Oh, I was about to say, would you be trying to like pawing at the walls? Just like, where's the exit? No, I, I did a lot of this. A lot of uh, just uh, comforting body language. <laughs> You know, <laughs> putting things between me and the screen, you know, like my arms. Um, so uh, I liked it. So a lot of people are going to say it's boring. A lot of people are going to say it's not scary. A lot of people are going to say it's a waste of time. I disagree with all of that. But to each their own, it was for me. I liked it. So uh, same with um, La Casa Lobo. Same thing. Um, I might check out. I might check out the Wolf House. Uh, I was looking at some of the pictures uh, and, and the stop motion interests me that it's almost like clay stop motion. It kind know? of, it's more paper mache, uh, um, it's life size. So it's human sized, everything. Oh, um, no wonder it took them five years, like paint paintings on the walls that they had to animate. And like, it's incredible, truly. And no wonder it mm. took them five years to do it. Um, cause it's just so much and it's constant, right? Yeah. Uh, it's all done to look like one continuous camera move, although it's choppy, of course, because it's stop motion, but um, it's great. Hmm. I, I was also a little tipsy when I watched it, so maybe, I don't know, but it was... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> but it was fucking awesome. So, yeah, go, go watch it. It's great. Cool. Cool. Well, speaking of strange avant-garde films, I mean, this one's not really avant-garde. Strange... Yes, it is strange. Uh, that brings us to part two of our end of season series. Our uh, and I'm sorry, everyone, that I keep changing my mind. Apparently, it's called the Dystopic Futures Trilogy. Uh, part two, Dystopic Futures Trilogy. Uh, Twelve Monkeys. Um, now back to the rules of this season. I had never seen this. Uh, you had, right, Jeremy? Yes, a few times. So, I hadn't, so I'll give you my first impression. Okay. Uh, it was not what I was expecting. Um, okay. I was not expecting him to go back in time multiple times. Uh-huh. I thought it was going to be, he was sent back once, and then the whole movie's just him trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that Gilliam was playing with this idea of what's real and what's made up because mm-hmm. he does a really good job of of as we kind of talked about last week with brazil of adding the surrealism so we don't know what is real and what's fake and who is telling the truth and you know mm-hmm. and you know and it, it was so terry gilliam with the, his use of the camera you know those dutch angles and it just and can i be honest yeah brad Brad Pitt stole the show. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with that hundred percent. I think he, yeah, he a hundred percent crushed it. Uh, which is crazy because he's only in it for like, what? 10 minutes. Yeah. He's not in it very long. Yeah. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Everyone was on point. Bruce Willis, uh, Madeline stone. I don't know. Yeah, let me let me look at my Blu-ray cover. Madeline Stowe. Um, no. uh, everyone was great. Um, 
But man, Brad Pitt, dude, and how they did that thing with his eye, that one eye was like the like the pupils were a little bit lower. Yeah. Just, I loved, I, and I just, I felt like because this is, um, yeah, this was before Fight Club, so yeah, it just seemed like Terry, like, like Gilliam just came, said, "Hey, come in and just be as crazy as you want," and he was like, "Got it." I I honestly think it's one of Brad Pitt's best performances ever, just because he he committed so hard to that performance. Um, that I mean, you're right. It completely stole the show, and it it's it's awe inspiring. I really enjoy watching him. Now, I did look up a little bit about the television show, and um, they gender swapped his character. Um, oh, woman, she's in uh, she's on Shit's Creek. Uh, I forgot her name. Sorry, everyone. Um, but it doesn't matter. Uh, it does interest me. The show does interest me. Okay, after looking some stuff up about it. Is it a is it a similar concept to the movie or? I think it's kind of like what um, what From Dust Till Dawn did, and just starting from the beginning and just keep going after. You know what I mean? Ah, okay, okay, like, like, um, okay, yeah, because you know, it's what I assume. I do not know, but that's just that was my assumption. Uh, I mean, you know, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it off mic. Um, all right. So Jeremy, I'm assuming, uh, you'd like me to give the synopsis for this one. Yeah, okay. I do. 12 monkeys, um, is once again, now this one, uh, is a dystopic future taking place in 2035, only, uh, 12 years away from our actual time. Um, but a virus, which hits a little too close to home, uh, has essentially wiped out all of mankind and the, as Bruce Willis puts it, 1% of the survivors now live underground. Um, and they send out these volunteers to, I guess, collect samples to see if they can find a cure for this virus so they can now regain the planet as everyone continually says because they're tired of living underground well bruce willis's character james cole uh they decide they're going to send him back in time to when the virus first outbroke to see if they could figure out how to stop it because all they know is the 12 monkeys, the army of the 12 monkeys will start the virus. They'll release the virus. Um, and through many failed attempts, James is trying to collect information while also fighting the subplot, which we'll get into of, is he actually crazy? Did he really come from the future? You know, what's real, what's not. Um, And honestly, because I don't want to really spoil it because I want to get into it, uh, the movie ends where it begins um, in a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, Right? That's what this kind of time travel movie is, a self-fulfilling prophecy? Not necessarily, but that's okay. 
Then what would this one be classified as? Um, this is just a um, sort of like predestination. It's um, it, it's the Euroboros, the the snake eating mm-hmm. its own tail forever and ever. So it's it's not the bootstrap paradox, um, but it's right. It's something like, you know, it's just it will always be this way, right? It'll be this yeah. loop. Um, so we'll get into yes. that. Yeah. And honestly, if you want more explanation on how we feel about time travel, just listen to our predestination episode. Yeah. Cause, uh, that's a good, one. it is a good, one. um, but honestly, cause I don't want to get too bogged down in the synopsis. Uh, that is 12 monkeys. Um, yeah, I mean, Guy sent back in time to try to prevent the end of the human race. There you go. Um, so, Jeremy, just like with Brazil, I think we should start with the world. Sure. Um, let's start with the, the future, 2035. Yeah. Um, you know, just like a Gilliam movie, it's very... It's just very dirty, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's dirty. It's unconventional. It sort of doesn't make practical sense, right? Which is, mm-hmm. you know, what you know we saw in Brazil and what we'll most likely see in Zero Theorem. Again, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Um, and it's it's bizarre in a very unique Terry Gilliam way, right? I mean, we saw the future of this is basically Brazil, right? Because it's right it's got all those fucking pipes and you know, that, uh, that weird chair thing that Bruce Willis has to sit in to talk to the scientists and that big, uh, circle of screens, you know, mm-hmm. that goes and up they, to them so you can see them. And the heat, they're still using the magnifying glasses, yes. you know? Yep. Um, so that's very Gilliam. That's very on brand. Um, which again, I liked, right. And I liked right. the, the, the suit that he has to wear to go outside right yeah. again it's repurposing old things they're not new things right they're just you know spliced together things that already exist that make this quote new future thing right right which would make sense in the context because of course they live underground they don't have new things right they live uh underground um right. yeah they so they have to repurpose what they took down there with them yeah to survive and i'm assuming whoever whatever these volunteers are able to bring back with them yes of course um i i love how the film starts with a quote uh from one of our characters right yeah um which is great because it's um it's great foreshadowing but it's also great just like hey man buckle up because this is about to get nuts right because right. uh, later on you'll realize, oh, the quote was, you know, okay, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was, it was Bruce Willis saying it was Bruce Willis the whole time. Right. It was, right. it was Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> are you trying to, make, are you trying to shoehorn in a sixth sense joke? Yeah, it was him all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he was so, dead okay, the so whole time. That. So I love that. Right. Um, there are things we can get into later about 
you know, the scientists intervening, you know, at the very end, which is technically the beginning where we saw. And, um, and we'll, we'll get into that later, but really they are just, they're not, the scientists aren't wanting to prevent anything, right? This mm-hmm. isn't a mission to go stop the spreading of the virus, right? The mission is to get a piece of it so we can make a vaccine, right? To make a cure, right? right. Don't stop yeah. any of it. Um, don't try to do which, that. Yeah, which, you know, a logical time travel movie would be go back in time, try to stop it. We're getting know. into this earlier than I thought, but I disagree because I was reading this article and he brought up something that was interesting that yes, logically you would think go back and stop it. Right. Right. But if he goes back and stops it, here's where the paradoxes come into play. Mm. Cause if he goes back and stops it, they never sent him back in the first place. Right. Right. Yeah. So and that so version. You, yeah. So if you go back and not stop anything, that loop is able to complete Right. Where right, if yeah. you go back and stop it, then you were never there in the first place. Right. So which is, you right. know, this sort of paradoxical thing, which is sort of like the grandfather paradox, which is, you know, if you go back and kill your grandfather, you weren't alive to go back to kill your grandfather. Right. So it doesn't make any sense. Right. And so right. there was there was that argument to where um, to where that's why the scientist hand in the gun. Right. So he can be shot by the. Um, by the security, so he would die. So he wouldn't be able to stop it, which is what he wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating, right? This is sort of this weird time travel thing that, and if you think about it that way, it makes sense, right? Um, which, which I which I like. Um, again, earlier than I thought, but cool. Uh, <laughs> Well, I mean, I didn't mean to bring it up like that, no, but like, fine. you know, because that's what we're here for, um, you know, because because it is interesting that, you know, we're watching this time travel movie and, you know, because I was like, I was like, why aren't they wanting him to stop it? Like, why do they just want him to keep coming back with samples? And again, it's like, not and it's not explicitly told to you. Right. You're kind of just having to figure that out. And that's just a possibility. Right. Mm hmm. Um, that they don't want anything tampered with the timeline that way because they feel like there's nothing they can do about the past, right? Right. What we can do is use the past to fix the future, right? Um, it's kind of like a, like a, like an ends justify the means kind of thing. I guess. And again, it's sort of like, well, if you go back and change something, then... God knows what's going to become of us, right? We no longer exist or, um, right. Right. Again, it's going back to, he would have never been sent back in the first place. Right. So that's right. And I think the first time I watched it, I didn't realize he was an inmate, like that he was, uh, in jail. Um, I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that the first time, um, I saw this. Or I guess the second. Yeah, which makes me wonder. Well, which makes me wonder too about the future. If like everyone who is a volunteer are just inmates, you know. I would assume, right? I a part of me is glad Gilliam didn't go too much into 
the world of underground future, right? Like, mm-hmm. what do non-inmates do, right? Where do they live? What? Is, who cares, right? Um, right. And in fact, he might not have an answer because this isn't his original story anyway. So right, yeah, I it, did it, see that it was based on a on a short film. Yes, La Jete, which I meant to watch because I bought it on iTunes, and I meant to watch it, and I was so uncharacteristically busy at work today that I didn't get a chance to do that. <laughs> and um, <laughs> it's a real shame because I really wanted to watch it in time for this because um, it's all done in just still images. There's no moving picture. Um, really? Yeah, it's just narration and moving in and just still images uh, that tell the story, uh, which is fascinating. Right. Hmm. Um, I might need to see that part, too. It is a part of the Criterion Collection. Uh, those of you who are interested, it's um, there's two short films in one. Um, oh, in okay. That, in that um, release, it doesn't matter. So anyway, um, obviously Gilliam made this his own. He didn't just copy the, you know, what I mean, he just there's ideas in it. There's, there's right. concepts and ideas in a in a sort of plot that he could take from and do this right. Um, this is not the only movie La Jete has influenced, right? Um, but it's, it's like the main one, I guess. It's the one that closely relates to one another. Right. Um, so anyway, that's how I feel about the ending. <laughs> okay. I feel, I feel that, um, that they were just, they were stopping him from changing the past too much right or to right. stop the, the spread of the virus because uh, that yeah. wasn't their intention in the first place the intention was just to cure it in the future so to stop it in the past would negate that right right um, yeah yeah it's it's one of those time travel movies where it's it's people who have agendas you know yeah. um well i guess still exploring the world let's jump to when they first sent him back yeah let's talk about the the time travel of it right because it's it's not perfect right and which is relatively realistic in the fact that you know not everything works right the first time you try right Mm -hmm. um and it's it's still sort of it's still got kinks that you can't quite figure out and it's not perfect and they're sending him back to the wrong time close but not quite, right? Right. The second time was way off. Yeah. You know? uh, Which was interesting. I... Go ahead. Well, I was just kidding, which which was interesting, but we'll get we'll get to that. So, the, okay, let's. The first time they go back, they send him back. It's 1990, not 1996, is where he's supposed to go. Mm-hmm. And by the way, this movie came out in 95. So, uh, if that gives any indication, um. So when they send him back, I love that immediately he's picked up and sent to an asylum because it's one of those things that I see I've seen in movies and television before where anything you say in, in an insane asylum makes you look crazy, right? Yeah. Because you could be as level headed or as gentle or as, as calm as you can be explaining it and you still sound crazy. Right. Yeah. So he's in an impossible situation. 
that he's being put in because he's like, I'm from the future. I, you, there's this virus. What year is it? You know what I mean? He sounds fucking insane. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, and, and, and he is calm, you know, he's like, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. Like, look, like there's a virus. that's going to kill 5 billion people. They sent me back to the wrong year. Just let me make a phone call and they'll, they'll explain everything. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, all these doctors are like, what? <laughs> like, um, and you know, but this is where, you know, this is where their flawed time travel, you know, cause honestly, hang on. Actually, I just form, I was formulating a theory and now I just realized I'm going to save it. Um, but this down. is, no, I'll, I'll remember cause it's, it, it just blew my mind. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, and I love how they don't explain how they scoop him back to the future. You know? Yes, I agree. Uh, he's just, he's just back in the future and they're like, yeah. all right, well let's try again and send you back. Yeah. I like that. They didn't realize their mistake the first time, you know? And they're like, mm-hmm. well, did you, what'd you, did you do it? And they're like, you sent me back to 19. I'm like, are you sure? You know, 1990. He's, you know? he's like, yes, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And then they send him back to world war one. Whoops. Him, um, him and, um, is it Jose? Yeah. Jose. And Jose yeah. are sent back, uh, to world war one. Um, and okay. This, I loved that. He was a part of, of Dr. Rayleigh's presentation. Uh, Jose was when she's given that, um, that talk at that museum. Uh huh. Right. She's given that lecture and Jose is a part of it. Right. Uh, yeah. Cause he's like this guy, uh, a French soldier in world war one shot in the head, completely lost all of his French, but spoke perfect English and was saying something about a virus and all this stuff. And I was like, that's Jose. No, he was telling yeah. the truth. You know, that's wild. Yeah. I love, uh, that. I love that little detail. And again, I love that they don't, they don't talk about, how once again the future the scientists in the future scoop james back and now finally got him in 1996 mm-hmm. like but then you know they must have scooped him right after he got shot because he's still like oh, i got shot in the yes. leg you know yeah you know and when she and that's how that's when she starts believing him a little bit is because she pulls out the the bullet and it's a world war one era bullet you know that's in yeah. his leg so yeah uh, that i liked yeah, and then and then they scoop him, and then they send him back one more time, and then, but yeah, you know, and I just kind of what we're talking about, you know, I love that the technology <clears throat> for them is flawed, you know, mm-hmm. that it's not, it's not perfected, you know, like in, you know, predestination or you know when we did Back to the Future all the way back in season one, you know, Doc pretty much had time travel perfected, pretty you know? much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. For his first time, pretty much perfected time travel. But then, you know, these scientists. Yeah, this is messier. As you were saying, it's dirtier. It's it's not perfect. The the machine to do it is gigantic, you know? Yeah. And the new technology is. It looks like one of those cradles from The Matrix, even though this came (laughs) out before The Matrix. 
I gave um, I gave this example because um, we were talking about how, um, which again, as fantastical as this is, it's pretty realistic, which I liked, where if you invent something new, right? Mm-hmm. Normally, it's going to be bigger than what it's going to end up being, right? Think of the cell phone, right? right? Um, think of like... Um, I gave this example in a film class once where we were talking about M and the sound bars on each side of the, of the film strip were so big because sound was so new that mm-hmm. it almost made it a perfect square instead of a rectangle because it was so big because they didn't real they didn't know how to thin it out and still work yet. You know, so right. him, him being put into this gigantic machine that still doesn't quite work yet, <laughs> you know, yeah, that, that is flawed. In this way, it's it's pretty interesting, and I think that's a, that's a cool, uh, that's a nice touch uh, with this. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and, and it does add a little bit more believability, you know, sure. to to this fantastical world that, of course, of course, is not going to work right. Yeah, the first, second, or even third time, you know, um, yeah. you know, and it just adds more to the world building, which I think like you were saying, you know, Gilliam made it his own because I think he is so good at world building without having to spoon feed everyone exposition, you know? I agree. Yeah. I agree because yeah, exposition's not really needed in this or if you're wanting it, you know, it's sort of like, maybe I'll figure it out, you know? Sort of like the no. the whole thing with the scientists and why they're trying to prevent him and stop the the thing, right? You have to think about that. Um, yeah, you you get a little bit of world building in the future, but then that's sort of gone. You know, after a while, you you stop mm-hmm. thinking about oh, I wonder what it's like to live in that future when you're underground. Like, who cares? Well, that's not what the story is about. Right. It's just an already yeah. existing world, and we're just in it. You know. Yeah. Okay. So. The theory that I was formulating, because as I was starting to think about, you know, you know, he gets sent back to 1990, where he then meets Jeffrey, Brad Pitt. I'm like, yeah, you know, he kind of sets up the 12th, and I was like, wait a minute. What if that's why he's chosen? Because they knew he would almost kind of set all this in motion. Because if it is like what you're saying in a Boris... You know, mm-hmm. snake eating its own tail. That would mean they would know at some point James Cole kind of domino effects all of this stuff. Because okay. he meets Jeffries in 1990. Jeffrey in 1990 yep. mentions the virus. Yep. Comes back six years later. Finds out that Jeffrey is the founder of the Army of the Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. And has gone back to work with his dad. Who works with viruses. Christopher Plummer, by the way. A very young and very uh, handsome-looking Christopher Plummer. I mean, he's always handsome. You know what I mean? I mean, there was, I a, mean, there was an episode we did a while back. It was so good. Uh, it's called The Man Who Invented Christmas. Um, oh, my God. A, it was our best episode, I think. Um, anyway, uh, Christopher Plummer, he's looking good in that, and he's like fucking 135, 100 years old. You know what I mean? So he's always looking anyway. good. Always. But no, but anyway, I see exactly what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, all they know is that the Army of the Twelve Monkeys 
you know, we did it. Um, they don't realize until the end when Cole dies, it was someone else. You know, so I don't know, man. Because now okay, I'm starting so to think what you're like, thinking, okay, hold on. This is great. So what you're saying is that if Cole hadn't been sent back to the wrong time, let's put wrong in quotes, okay? okay. Hadn't sent back to the wrong time mm-hmm. and met with Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Je- Cole's the one who gives Jeffrey the idea in the first place, which then, of yeah. course, dominoes into um what's his face hold on dominoes into where the fuck aha uh david morris dr peters getting the virus and putting it out there right right because i mean because i mean you got to think you know because had 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 cole not been ranting about a virus wiping out their world. I don't think, I don't think Catherine would have been doing research into, you know, doomsday type stuff, which now don't get me wrong. It, they definitely set up that Dr. Peters is a weirdo who's yes. sort of hell bent on maybe doing this anyway, but everything else that leads it in the future, it definitely, it, it all kind of ties back to Cole. So it's like, did they, was sending him to 1990 actually a mistake mm. or was it intentional to set the ball, or set everything in motion to run in and meet Jeffrey? May. Ooh, that's interesting. That's interesting. Because they, I mean, they seem pretty genuine about not knowing this. And of course, that could just be an act, right? You, you can, you can infer that. It's not bad. It's not bad. Yeah, because, you know, you know, because then we see that lady scientist at the end of the movie, you know, you know, meeting with Doctor Peters, you know, yeah. and she says, "I'm an insurance." You know, which could be a double meaning. Well, it, it, I'm pretty sure it is meant to be well, a double meaning. Well, it is because that's exactly what the um, what the scientist says to Cole when they hand him the gun, right? It's insurance. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> did I just blow your mind? You kind of did. I kind of like that. I, I like this idea of... Perhaps it was all just meant to, you know, just make sure things keep going the way they're going, right? Or, yeah. right? Um, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I now granted, the purpose of it, right? The purpose doesn't make any sense, but the pieces are there, right? Yeah, because you know, granted, like, like I was gonna say, you know, like I don't think they knew that James would be at that airport twice in his life, once as a kid and once as an adult. Once as an adult. Um, I don't think they counted on young James seeing his older self get killed. Yeah. You know, but that's what kind of triggers Cole on this, on this path that he takes when he's an adult, you know? So, yeah. Hmm. It's not bad. It's not bad. Show's over. Uh, <laughs> solved it. We're good job. 
Could you imagine we just ended it at a a 35 minute episode? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I mean, who fucking cares? Um, Nah. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I, you know, I like this stuff. You know, it's interesting because it, it, the com the complexity of time travel, right. Is always so interesting in these types Mm. of films to to where it leads to conversations like this to where that is possible what you just said right i can't i can't disprove it at the moment okay i'm also not trying to because um, <laughs> i like it i, I like stuff like that i, I like I, I like tangible theories right something you mm-hmm. can hold on to that's not that's not too crazy or not too outlandish or something that you have to ignore something in order to believe that it's true about the movie. Right. It's uh, what yeah. I brought up a few weeks ago about um, Ferris Bueller, right? It's the genie problem. Yeah. You have to ignore genie to, for that fan theory to work. And that doesn't, so it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Your might actually work. Well, you know, and it's kind of it's kind of reminiscent of when we did Palm Springs mm-hmm. and talking about if time has been moving outside of the loop and just been moving around them, you know. Right. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, because it, it makes sense. Like, why? Why Cole? You know? Yeah. But it's because he was directly involved with Jeffrey and supplanting the idea of the virus and you know getting him on this whole like revolutionary kick and it even though jeffrey didn't actually release the virus no because he's too crazy to actually think of that his his version of his version of anarchy is just releasing animals you know yeah Uh, so okay well then in that case in that case, then Dr. Peters. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to remember. Is he just a standalone guy? I'm trying to remember because this was a couple of days ago. And I've done a lot since then. So where does Dr. Peters fit with Jeffrey and with James? So... Peters right? is, he is independently doing this. I think he's just independently doing this. Okay. I think he, cause you know, he, 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 he sits in on her conference, mm-hmm. uh, and he has that really weird ass exchange with her. You can tell but he's I, weird cause he has a ponytail. Yeah. Uh, and I think he, he, tr- he, he truly believes that, the world is overpopulated and that, Mm -hmm. you know, humans are ruining everything. You know, one of, one of these guys. So I think he's independently doing this, but because, you know, the future has been so focused on the 12 monkeys or, or at least, at least that's what, you know, if we're going on my theory, that's the information they've been feeding to everyone Mm -hmm. that, Oh yeah, it was the 12 monkeys. 12 monkeys did this. You know, because James leaves them that voice message that says like it's someone else. You know, 
before he yeah. figures out who it is. You know, it's someone yeah. else. So yeah, you're right. So I think even if this was, let's take let's take my theory and kind of put a pin in it. So even if this was a one-off situation, I'm sorry. Sorry, my Siri thought I was talking to it. Um, I think Peters would have always done this regardless. You know, so, I don't think anyone really inspired him to do it. Uh huh. So here's something. Do you okay. think that they 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 have enough information, right? The the scientists in the mm-hmm. future. I think then maybe they're saying it was the twelve monkeys to to put James on just a wrong path. That way he can't interfere with the virus um, being released. Still being mm-hmm. able to get the like the 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 stuff that they need, right? Still being able to get the samples or whatever and not interfering with the virus mm-hmm. being released, right? I think maybe that was their intentions um revisiting the plot which is very um dense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean maybe, you know. I mean cuz if they if they knew more than they were letting on, then you know, maybe Maybe they did want to get James off of Dr. Peter's radar. Yeah. Like, don't even, don't think about that guy. Focus on the 12 monkeys, you know. Um, And hold on now. Now, here's something. Sending him back to the wrong time meeting with Jeffrey will make him suspicious of Jeffrey. Jeffrey then starts the 12 monkeys, which mm -hmm. is like, oh, okay, well, then that's it. Then I got him. And then that would put him again on the wrong path, right? still intentionally sending him to the wrong time. Right? Right. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, and then, but then with how close he was getting at the end, they're like, all right, send Jose in. Uh, yeah. Because he, he is going to stop this. Uh, yeah. yeah, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. By the way, um, just a little silly thing that i noticed is is that um is that Catherine gets stockholm syndrome immediately you know what i mean oh yeah immediately yeah it's with uh, like, yeah with james i mean yeah so what he's got a world war uh, world war one bullet in his like who fucking cares man that doesn't mean anything quit it you know uh, it's insane um yeah with our uh hand let me look him up real quick uh with our boy um christopher maloney you know yes yes i was gonna mention that because this is um i think it's right before lawnmower svu um svu i think was 96 or 7 when it started yeah and and you know wet hot american summer was 2001 yeah, and then Oz was also around that time. Um, he was also in. Um, but yeah. yeah. I'm like, That's Christopher Wally, man. I, I'd completely forgotten he was in this. But um, I, I love how he's like, why is it that, you know, kidnap victims always try to convince us that the bastards are actually really nice? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, dude, she she has a 180. How did you, how'd you feel about her 180? 
whatever, man. I'm I'm in it for this ride, you know. Like I'm not trying to be upset about anything, but um, I mean, yeah, it was a little, it was a little silly. Sure, yeah, you know that she went that she went from fully beating the shit out of him when she jumped out of that uh, trunk to being like, he just needs help. That's all he needs. He just needs help. He just needs help. And then from he just needs help to I think I love this guy. Yeah. For why? You know? Now, I did just have this thought. Okay. You know, Catherine says throughout the movie that she thinks she remembers him. Mm -hmm. But how? I think it's just one of those, uh, they're trying to establish that, um, they're trying to establish that he's going to mean something to her in the future, right? Um, So because he becomes so important in the future and maybe it's trying to, they were trying to say that, you know, it's some sort of weird deja vu with time travel, right? Maybe. Um, because it can't be because he looked nothing like himself when he was a kid. So it's not like she just saw him at the airport. And it's like, Oh, there's that kid looks so much like you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that's what they were trying to do either. Uh, cause technically, she did see him at the airport, which is also in her future. So that wouldn't make any sense either. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, when she's putting on the, the false mustache and the wig, she's like, you know, I remember you like this. And I'm like, when I know, I think again, it's some sort of like weird ripple effect with, um, with time travel and with sort of, because this is a loop in, in a way, right? Maybe, maybe, um, you know, that it's sort of like echoes, of time travel and of deja vu. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Time Cause not real, so I don't know if, if I had a grievance with the movie, which I don't, um, it would be that it would be like, okay. how there's no way. Cause he came from your future. Cause yeah. he was a kid mm-hmm. and 96. Yeah. And so like, there's Same. no way. Same. I was also a kid. Um, we both were. That's true. But yeah, no, I get what you're saying. It's sort of a, a weird line to put in there that at the time when you're watching it, it's sort of like, ooh. But then when you think about it, it's sort of like, oh, that doesn't make sense. Right. right. Doesn't doesn't make sense. But not everything like, in this movie does now, really okay, make sense. Yeah, that's I, true. I would say that you a know, lot of things in this movie um, doesn't make sense. And you know, okay. something, you know, something that I really liked about it, which we didn't really talk about on Brazil, but is the use of old movies and cartoons. Yep. Like, you know, in the mental institution, they're, they're, you know, they're watching a Tex Avery cartoon. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, that movie they're watching at the theater, which was really interesting because it seemed like it was a time travel movie also. Let me see. I was about to say, did you know what movie that was? Because obviously I, I didn't know what movie that was. I might remember. I don't remember. When was this in the movie? Uh, it was when they movie. were at the movie. It's towards the end of the movie, you know, when she's gluing on the fake mustache. Oh, right. And right, right, he's, right. Like, I re- I, he's like, I remember this, but I don't remember this part. Oh, fuck you. It's Vertigo. Oh, I remember that now. That was Vertigo? I remember, say- I remember saying to myself, that's Vertigo. Oh, yeah, because they watch the birds afterwards. Don't confuse me. <laughs> yes, it was Vertigo. 
Um, the birds. Oh, Interesting. I'm going to have to watch the Vertigo now because that, that one little scene that they put into it, I was like, ooh. It's the it's a 24-hour Hitchcock theater. That's where they were. Ah. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's, let's kind of segue a little bit to, to oh, Terry Gilliam kind of sets everything up, right? Mm-hmm. Because as I was watching, <clears throat> you see one of the shirts, one of the, the tiger button up shirts uh-huh. in the department store when he's collecting samples. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I noticed that. Yeah, I, I noticed it. <clears throat> Granted, you know, obviously it's not the specific one that he will later buy, but mm-hmm. I guess they had an extra one on the shelf because I was like, that looks yeah, that looks a like lot like. Wearing, yeah. yeah. Which, by um, the way, cool shirt. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude, that shirt was hella rad. I know. I want very, one very 1990s. Uh. I but you know again just like a great time travel movie. I love how how we're getting these clues. At, you know, like when she when Catherine tells him how she left that voicemail and he says it with her. She's like, "How how could you have known that? You didn't hear me." And he was like, "Because I did hear you. They played it for me in the future." Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's just ugh, love time travel movies like that, dude. Yes, I agree. Time travel movies are just so fascinating again because it if if it's done in a certain way then it can be interpreted or dissected in so many different ways. Um there's a movie that we might do in the future. Um that was dumb. Uh anyway, there's a movie we might do later uh called Primer. Um Ooh. I have I've heard of that movie. I, I think it was on like a like a watch mojo uh, I'm sure. like top top ten. And when they got to the, the big twist that I, I was like, dude, I gotta see this movie. Yeah. Yeah. And because it is it is possible to understand it, you just gotta put the work in, right? You gotta watch it right. a few times. There are like infographics that just tell you like how like how it works and how the twist works and how, um, you know, the time travel is, is, is in such a way that the characters are here and here and here. And that it's, it's complex, but it's smart as well. Um, because he really did think about it and this guy doesn't make movies anymore, which is a real shame. Really? Um, He made two and that's it. So, he's a, he's a Texas boy. Maybe we can find him and, and tell him to make movies again. So find him Shane and uh, break his kneecaps. Yeah. It, it, Shane Carruth. So go, go look him up. Um, he's got primer and upstream color. Um, I might need to tell Scott like, Hey, track this guy down. Go find Shane Carruth. Yeah. I mean, he break does his like, kneecaps. he's still in the movie business. He just doesn't make them anymore. Like more like producing kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Producing. He does music. Um, ah. Yeah. Something like that. So, Jeremy, um, are you ready to wrap up, wrap up, wrap up? Yeah, it's a short one, but let's do it. Um, 
So this movie is more complex than I thought, which is really interesting. Um, more than I remember <laughs> it being, uh, which is cool, you know? Um, yeah. I love the idea of this. So uh, here's the here's a fun thing that has to do with with thinking of a movie a different way, um, which is what you kind of just did for me, which is cool. Okay. Um, I just found this theory. I watched a video on it about the Blair Witch Project. Have you seen this? Uh, not the video. Uh, but have you nor seen the have I actually. No, I just no. Never seen. <laughs> That's okay. So there's a theory that um, the entire thing was these two, these two men were trying to kill the uh, the other woman with them, right? And it was okay. just a a psychological torture thing, and at the very end, they trick her into thinking that this is actually a witch thing, and then they murder her, right? Like it was just them the whole time. Right. Uh, which okay. I like, which can make sense. Right. It's one of those things that, again, I don't have to ignore really anything to get it. Yeah. Cause I do know you don't see the witch no, at no. all. No, no, there's, um, at the end, one of them is staring, you know, at the wall, right. Um, he's got his face buried in the wall, which is, something that they all know to be part of the myth of the witch. Right. Um, mm. so, I mean, they could just be using this information to scare her before they kill her. Right. So that, that all makes sense. And you don't see the witch. You don't right? most of what goes wrong or them getting lost and things like that is mostly the men's fault. Right. Mm. Um, and so it's very interesting, right? It's a cool way to think of it. It could not be true at all, which is also fine. Right. You could interpret right. it as the witch is real, blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. Right. Again, looking at a movie a different way also promotes rewatches, which is something that I like to do is rewatch movies. And especially if I'm just rewatching it with a new lens, oh, mm -hmm. it's the best. Right. So I will definitely be rewatching this with the intention that they knew the whole time. Right. And that this was all just, yeah. you know, trying to close this loop. Right. Or, sure or, get the, or get the loop restarted again. Oh, right. Or exactly. Or continue the timeline. Right. Which is fascinating right. to me. So I really, really like that. Um, and yeah, I, and I'm excited for next time. So that's, that's all I have to say. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Well, well, good, man. You know, I'm glad that I was able to <laughs> let you think about this movie in a different way. Cause I just thought yeah. of it right now. Yeah. No, watching. Good. Watching the movie last night, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, okay. Like they, <clears throat> of course, I didn't get it till the end. I was like, oh, they didn't want him to, right, to stop this. They just wanted him to collect information, bring it back. <clears throat> right. Um, but yeah, I feel like, because he yeah, he, yeah, he still doesn't, still doesn't get the information but to, he'd to make him. Rather him die than stop the virus, right? So, right. Again, it's sort of like, well, this closes or this is just James Cole's loop timeline. They can always send someone else back to try again. Right. Perhaps maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the intentions are with the ending. Um, Gilliam might not either. You know, 
It's just like he might even just be one Who of those knows? guys where I thought it was cool. You know, I was like, fuck off. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, he he would strike me. It was one of those like, oh, like I it was a cool concept. I I don't know. See, that's what Lynch is like. And that's why Lynch is so hard to interpret, because a lot of it's just on the day he goes, let's try this. Let's put this in there, you know, and then it makes it in. And you're like, what yeah. does that mean? Nothing. It means nothing. You know, like, you know, shout out to our Mulholland Drive episode with the whole nightmare sequence. Like, yeah. Or, or no, not the nightmare sequence. The the guys in the diner talking about the dream. Yeah. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? I think, you know, that was probably part of the original pilot. I think we talked about that. Uh, that true you know, it might have yeah, been I think more, right and of course that that woman we later find out uh comes back at the end anyway so i mean it's it could all mean something and of course the entire that entire movie is dissectable and is solvable right yeah but like but, fucking twin peaks and that like a lot of that's not solvable like it's just it's just nonsense you know which i, I mean there, i mean I mean, there are some answers, you know, Mark yeah. Frost with the dossiers, but even then, you know, like, uh, fuck. But <laughs> anyway, it doesn't matter. Well, we would. What matters is, you know, it, it, who knows what Gilliam, you know, you know, I'd be interested to see what the show is like. Yeah. I, now that we've been talking, I kind of want to check out the show. Um, yeah. Yeah, me too. You know, see if what what it is a if it is a reimagining of the movie or a continuation of the movie. Right. If they gender swap Jeffrey, then I would assume it's probably a reimagining. I would assume. Um, but who knows? But you know, good segue into our into our tease for next week and our series and season finale. Um, I feel like next week is going to be a little bit more complicated. So. Possible. So next week, everyone, to close out our Dystopic Futures trilogy, we are going to be talking about the Zero Theorem. Uh, now, Jeremy and I, both of us have never seen this movie. Um, I've wanted to because I, all I saw was Christoph Waltz. And again, Terry Gilliam. I was sold. Yeah. Um, all I know about the movie is that Christoph Waltz is a mathematician who is trying to figure out the meaning of life. And that's it. That's all I know. And I feel like this is going to be so complicated. <laughs> that's very possible. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. You know, it could, I mean, yeah, I, I would imagine it's going to be a little more complex and a little more, um, maybe ambiguous. Who knows? I, you know, I'm excited to find out, you know, I, I agree with you, you know, Terry Gilliam, Christoph Waltz, dystopian future. Fine. I'm in. So I did read, I did read that Terry Gilliam asked Christoph Waltz to shave his eyebrows and his head yeah, for the I'm role. Looking at the cover right now. Cause it's still on my TV stand for you. Uh, and you he does not have eyebrows. So. And Christoph was like, do I have to? And he was like, yeah, I'd, pre I'd prefer if you did. And it's something like, weird I mean, about eyebrows is that if someone were to ask you to shave your head, you'd be like, 
I mean, that'd be kind of weird. And they're like, okay, what about you don't shave your head and just shave your eyebrows? It's like, can I just shave my head? You know, something weird about it. It's like, I really want my eyebrows, please. You know, I think it's because since without eyebrows, you can't, I mean, you could still emote with your brow, Mm -hmm. but without any eyebrows, it's hard to kind of discern what you're trying to. I could find glasses to where I could hide that I don't have eyebrows. If I had to shave them off, I bet you I could. Maybe. You should start wearing glasses. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, I've wanted to. I mean, they make don't. glasses. They made like blue blocking glasses. Yeah, I know. But here's what I have to say about that. Okay. What? By the way, I, you know what? You you brought it up. Okay. Blue blocker <laughs> glasses are to people who wear glasses every day, uh-huh. all day. It's basically uh-huh. blackface. Is what you're doing. Is putting oh my on, god! Is putting on glasses. I have to wear these every day because I can't see. You know what I mean? You over there wearing just glasses just because it's fun. Fuck off. I'm sorry. I've got. I don't like good. Well, here, here's a good trade-off. I've got good jeans in my eyes, bad jeans in my knees. Yeah, my knees are not great either. Yeah, that's okay. so. And yeah, and, and you're 30 now, and I'm a I'm gonna be 30 soon. So. Listen, man, I'm calling Spike Lee. I'm gonna I'm gonna tell him about your glasses thing, and he's gonna be like, man, that ain't, that ain't right. And you know what? And it's don't because then he's gonna he's gonna come down and kick my ass. Yeah, he will. Yeah. He's gonna give me some of that Brooklyn street justice. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I think we've outroed enough. Uh, all right everyone we hope you enjoyed part two of our dystopic futures trilogy 12 monkeys and we will see you next week for our finale the zero theorem